Welcome. This is a safe place. Why don't you make yourselves comfortable and have a seat on the couch? This is not quite therapy. Are you comfortable? Hell no, I'm not comfortable. Hey, Brian. Hey, Chrissy. Tell me, how does that make you feel? I don't want to talk about it. Is it going to hurt? Oh my God, this is awkward. I'm not qualified to give advice here, but... Can we sit this close together? This is not quite therapy. With Chrissy and Brian, a how-to-do brand show about divorce, dating, and single parenting promised to be packed with awkward moments, insights from a couple cuties with absolutely no professional credentials. But plenty of life experience. And intense sexual innuendo. Gah, so much sexual innuendo. Are you ready, Brian? God, Chrissy, I'm going to need a drink. All righty then, let's get started, shall we? I really like hearing that. I like that we get to hear it for the lead-in. Yeah, that's nice. Welcome back, friends, to Not Quite Therapy, the show where Brian and I get into sticky conversations about divorce and dating and parenting, and we let you be a fly on the wall. Today, I just want to just jump into stuff and get going, but first, let's have a drink. Yes, please. Speaking of sticky. Is it hot in here? Are you parched? I'm parched. How about a drink? How to Do Cocktails is brought to you by How to Do Life, a podcast about, well, how to do life. You can listen to How to Do Life right here, where you're hearing us now, or find them on any podcast app. They are literally everywhere. And here's our disclaimer. How to Do Life right means drinking responsibly and moderately. A drink is not a necessary component to intimate conversations like the one you're about to hear. Here, here, announcer man. Yeah, but it sure doesn't hurt. You gonna make us, Brian? Well, you say we get into sticky, sticky conversations, and today is no exception. Um, I, I was asked to come up with a cocktail that utilizes honey. Mm-hmm. And do you want to speak about the honey we're using? Is this a, is this an appropriate yes, thing yeah, to yeah, do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, as our friends know, our drink segment is brought to you by the awesome How to Do Life podcast. And so, I want to tell you what's happening over there a little bit. Um, so, we are talking about murder hornets. And we went and got some commentary from our phenomenal friend Cameron Ulrich. And Cameron is a beekeeper and a badass woman. Which is awesome. Right. My grandfather kept bees when I was a kid. She uh, says a lot of her friends are old men. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, um, It's a a demographic fraught with beekeepers. Yep. And she, uh, you can visit her over at CapitalCityHoney.com. CapitalCityHoney.com. And they have all sorts of cool stuff. What we have today is wildflower honey. Um, she's got whipped honey. She's got a spicy whipped one. Oh my gosh, it's super, super good. That um, whipped honey is really good on like yeah. cheese plates and charcuterie mm-hmm, boards. You mm-hmm. spread it with a cracker. Yeah. Oh, now I'm hungry. She's got uh, candles and stuff. Like everything that can be made like from the honey and the hive, you know, the wax the and wax, everything. Yeah, she's yeah. got she's got all the stuff. So go over <laughs> and visit Cam at CapitalCityHoney.com. She packaged it up so cute, too. Um, I, I had it originally in the little box to bring it. I was going to bring it and show you, but mm. I had to get it out and use it to make the simple syrup. So, cool. Excellent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, with that in mind, the drink today is called the Bee's Knees. It's a uh, Prohibition-era cocktail with three simple ingredients that when I read it, I have not had this. I've seen it on menus, but I've never tasted it. Uh, it's got uh, two parts gin. Mm-hmm. It's got one part of uh, uh, lemon juice. And one part honey simple syrup, which is made by a 50-50 combination of water and honey so that it dissolves better in the drink and doesn't kind of clump up. 
Uh, so I will get to mixing that here and try not to bump the microphone while I do so. Produce, <laughs> try. Producer yes. John will be up on my case. Yes, we're, we're mess that up. I'll tell you what. Every week, better than the week before. He's smiling because he knows it's true. <laughs> Excellent. I'm going to I'm going to move my microphone so I can sort of talk while we're standing. I'm going to stand. All right, you do what you're doing. So over on our other show, we're also talking about um, Carol Baskin and deceptive practices uh, to earn <laughs> ratings. Um, we're talking about um, the Marco Polo app. Oh, um, that's a. It's yeah, like Snapchat for adults. Y- you heard my Marco Polo story, my my horror story. So yeah. it's it's really more about deception on uh, online than anything else. But Marco Polo should say not deceptive. Very very good. They uh, <laughs> they are really nice. And there's a real human that you can talk to, like customer service wise. Her name's Jessie. We are now very good friends. And um, it's good. Yeah, we're talking about that kind of stuff. And we're also talking about the fact that um, people who don't return their shopping carts are jerks. We I saw a post about that the other day. Yeah. It's about the shopping cart is the um, the one thing we can look at objectively as a society and determine if a person is capable of self-governing. That is exactly what Heather's the, show was yeah, about. Yep. Yeah, 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 yep. yeah, yeah. That show uh, just came out. Yeah, that was the one that just came out. And that's exactly, that was her test for whether you are a good or bad human being. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, Brian, hurry it up. I'm working on it, sister. Shake. cocktail shaking sounds for John. He's cutting all this out. He doesn't, doesn't care about your cocktail sounds. It doesn't matter. Listen. <laughs> listen. All right. Let's see how that turns out. Mm. All right. Bottoms up. Let's uh, get into some foreplay. Tasty. Hey, Brian. Yes, Chrissy? Want to fool around? Uh, What are we talking about here, like? First base, second base. Yikes. I don't think that's what she meant. I love this show. So, Brian, a few days ago I texted you about the topic I wanted to do for foreplay today. And do you remember what your reply to me was? I don't want to talk about that. (laughs) I don't know my exact quote. I think it was, it was, uh, I absolutely do not want to talk about it. No, it's so repulsive that I, I don't want to participate. But then we started talking about it. And I have the same questions you do. <laughs> so, first of all, I want to tell our friends how this topic even came up because it was some fantastic clickbait. <laughs> An article came up with a picture of conjoined twins, Abigail and Brittany Hensel. And it was from maternity.com. And it said, conjoined twins who share a uterus have a big announcement to make. <laughs> of course I clicked on that. <laughs> Obviously, I had to see what that was about. And it turns out that they got a job. That was their big announcement. But uterus was in the title of the story? Yeah, and it was on maternity.com. Fascinating. Yeah, but the damage was done in my mind by this point, obviously. So I started wondering about, like, sex and love and masturbation. Whoa. 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 The M word was not mentioned in any of our preliminary conversations. When you share that part of yourself with someone, you control one arm and one leg and the other person controls the other arm and the other leg but you share the business who gets oh so many questions i know right who do oh man okay this this okay so (laughs) pleasure is experienced in a portion of the brain right 
And if an entity, such as a conjoined set of twins, has two brains, mm-hmm. are they getting orgasms, bogo, right. like Publix bread? <laughs> like, like Publix bread. Um, I don't know, but that, that's what I was thinking. And I, I want to know about that. I want to know, like, when one of them gets, if someone kisses one of them, uh-huh. Is the other one jealous? Are they turned on? If one of them is horny, does the other one have to be horny? I don't think so. No, I would I would say no to that because they've got two brains and two minds and ostensibly two personalities, and so they, you know. But they ride a bike together. Like one controls half the bike, the other one can, like they drive a car together. Okay, but if they're asleep, okay, so mm-hmm. twin one and twin two. Twin one, okay, the right twin controls the right appendages. The Uh left twin controls the left appendages, Uh let's just say. The twins are asleep, Mm -hmm. and the right twin wakes up and can move her right leg and right arm, okay? Can twin two, can twin one get out of bed? Do they have to wake wake their neighbor up to go potty? Well, do they both just know? Do both of their brains get the signal that we have to get up and go to the bathroom? And- I think that to your question earlier, I think that um, both twins would have to participate in any sort of romantic encounter because if I control half of the appendages, then how do certain physical positions work if right. I... So Does the other one like pretend that they're not there? Like what if they don't have... like So do they share a partner? Do they have one boyfriend that has to be both of their boyfriend? Or And if you're the boyfriend... And you're only the boyfriend to the one, like you're Abby's boyfriend, but Brittany's there. I think you're always having threesomes if you're the boyfriend. I think, is it incest? I don't, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Is it group sex? Mm, could be. If, if Okay, so if members of a group are differentiated not necessarily by physicality, but by personality, mm-hmm. consciousness, they are two minds. So I think if you're intimate with two minds in the same evening at the same time that might be considered group sex no matter but if those only, minds are attached but you're only intimate with one okay vagina. <laughs> you, but do they share it yeah they okay have so they share it so then here's my question if if boyfriend is in the mood uh-huh. and boyfriend's girlfriend is in the mood but uh-huh. girlfriend's conjoined twin buddy partner sister person is not in the mood do both parties, do both sisters have to consent? Ooh, that's a great question. And have there been cases where sister one claims, I've been watching a lot of Law & Order SVU on... Mm-hmm. on um, so one would say they were quarantine. raped. Quarantine. Right. Ooh. Could sister two have been raped Right. while sister one was willing? Yeah, there's so much to think about. And to think it's about not the... A, and I'm not asking that question to be funny either. Like, no. so much... <laughs> deliberation and drama would have to yes. go into that such I can't And I mean, can you begin. just like I mean, let alone all, just the fact you never get to be alone. You never get to, you know, like go to the bathroom by yourself. You right. never get like And okay, so if twin 1 and twin 2 depending on what parts of the body they share, if they twin, have their own stomachs. Okay, so if twin 1 gets drunk is twin 2 drunk? I would think so because because they if twin, share a blood a blood bloodstream. Yeah. 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 So, so twin if, one could get themselves sloppy drunk mm-hmm. or like take a pill 
and get and like ruin the evening for twin two, knowing that the boyfriend's coming over. That's like totally imagine true. all of the Jerry Springer type situations oh my gosh, that it's could. So great. It's just uh, so will, many questions. I will tell you that uh, I asked different people about this. I talked to. to I asked no one about this. I, I talked about. Oh, I talked about this with a lot of people. <laughs> no, nobody I know knows that I do this right now. So I'm certainly not going to ask for feedback. Go ahead. And you told a lie, Brian. Hmm? You said that we did not talk about masturbation, but we did because you used a very crude. Oh. Oh. I'm not going to repeat that. On uh-huh. That. I, but I'm just saying. I did. Now You're you right. know. I recall. We did talk about that. Um, yeah, but, like, what kind of, like, think about the other people. Like, So these are two girls. They want to date. They want to have romance in their life. They want to fall in love. What? Do they get one partner? That Do they get two partners? What if they each had a boyfriend? What kind of person would fall in love with these people, what what if you really hate the twin? What if you only like one of them? I I can't even right consciously go there. I think that um, I feel like the kind of listen, love is blind, as we learned from Netflix this past summer, <laughs> right? Uh, mm-hmm. Spring, whatever time of year that was. Mm-hmm. What month is it? Where, I, we're is in, it are we in twenty twenty three? Twenty twenty three yet? Is it <laughs> what year is it? Um, Still, so May. yeah, love is blind taught me that love is blind. So I'm not saying that. I feel like a lot of conjoined twins probably meet their partner online because mm-hmm. I don't think you see a lot of conjoined conjoined twins. You think it's just a weird the, fetishy thing, though. Like it could I would be. think it would be very hard I to find be, love. I, yeah, I would. I'd Look how hard sympathize. it is for like normal, normally bodied people. You know, is that what we are? <laughs> I don't know. Normally bodied. <laughs> I wanted to sound somewhat PC, and it was about yeah. to not, and yeah, yeah. I was just trying. Traditionally. Separated, yeah. One consciousness per <laughs> per bloodstream. <laughs> yeah, all of that. <laughs> but when I was talking to people about this, yes, boys said things like four boobs, cool." I think I said that. I think you did. Okay. I also got mm, twins. Gross. That's just gross. <laughs> and I, it was funny. I, it might have been different commentary if the conjoined twins I was reading about were male. Because I feel like, I feel like uh, the females that I talked to about it really were like, God, I would hate that. I would hate, you know, like like they thought of it as, what if it was me? You know what I mean? And the guys were like, you know, like not at all. What if it was me? But if we had been reading about male conjoined twins, maybe we would have gotten different comments or questions from I, the male segment. I couldn't even begin to fathom. I think a lot of the um, the opinions are going to vary based on the. Uh, location of the conjoinment because right. you've seen conjoined twins that are mm-hmm. conjoined at, like the, at the at head, the head uh-huh. and those have two f- completely separate bodies right and just with a, a large larger head with maybe two brains or a shared brain or something but uh, if you're joined at like the hip bone or something like that right. and you kind of come together at the waist mm-hmm. then that pr- presents a whole different argument right you're, you're and if it was conjoined twins and it was male so we're talking one penis i don't know i think society would view that a little differently like they uh, like they would probably be like yeah just, we just got one girlfriend it's cool like you know i think that <laughs> I, think, like, I think the brothers would probably high five if they got any female attention right i think they'd have an easier time well uh, i don't think so i don't know i think the kind of person that would go for a set of conjoined twins is at some level a damaged person. You do? I do. 
Well, that what does that say? Is that fair though to these girls who have hearts and souls and personalities? Absol- absolutely, and- it's not fair. It's a complete double standard. But I'm just telling you that I, I think that uh, the fact that I can't in no part of my brain allow myself to go there because any hope of normalcy in that yeah, relationship is never. completely out the window. Never. And so you're setting yourself up for a lifetime circus. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you willingly choose that, it's like uh, seeking to be the president of the United States. I feel like anybody who runs for office is at some level mentally ill because they think they're physically capable of, of doing the job. I think mm-hmm. no one's capable of doing that job. And I think no one is capable of, uh, of, of having a – I can't even – my brain is just fried by the idea – this drink is not strong enough. I need, <laughs> I need yours. It is good. Do you like it? it How do you feel good. about it? It's a little cough medicine-y. I you think, think this would be really good if you substituted the gin with uh, whiskey mm, and warmed it up. This yeah. would be amazing on a cold winter night. So well, Let's just invent something new. I think I just did. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, if you did uh, bourbon, honey, and lemon, then you're talking about like grandma's cough remedy, which would sound pretty pretty amazing yeah. as it is this is very good mm-hmm. this is it's very tasty it's it very fresh good. and light super floral yeah i like it that's me floral. Oh, yeah. fruity all right <laughs> <laughs> i i really like talking about this but i feel like we need to move on we must oh. move on okay let's fair let's enough get down and dirty hey, yes chrissy i think i'm ready now so you want to get this off your chest Let's get down and dirty, babe. It is gone off the reservation. A grand slam home run. I love watching Brian's uncomfortable face while we make this show. So terrible. (laughs) I'm gonna groan at the intros every time we do this. What have you got for us today? What's going on? Well, I'm gonna read to you. Oh. It's kinda long too, sorry. You can Um, read? I can. That's fantastic. Quite well. Um, this is an expert excerpt, not an expert. <laughs> I don't know how well this reading is going to go. Is the author an expert? Mm. Is this an excerpt from an expert? No. Okay. Um, this book is called Fleischman is in Trouble. And I'm just starting this read. This is very early on in the book. But um, I wanted to kind of shorten it up, but I'm going for the whole thing. So okay. <laughs> sit back because it's going to be like two minutes of me reading. Okay. Toby and Rachel had separated at the very beginning of June, just after school ended, the culmination of an almost year-long process, or maybe a process that began shortly after the wedding 14 years before. It depends who you ask or how you look at a thing. Is a marriage that ends doomed from the start? Was the marriage over when the problems that would never get solved started, or when they finally agreed that the problems couldn't be solved, or when other people finally learned about it? Of course Cindy Leffer wanted information. Everyone did. The conversations were always artless, and they were always the same. The first thing people wanted to know was how long things in the marriage had been bad for. Were you unhappy that night at the school gala when you were showing off your college swing dancing lessons? Were you unhappy at that bat mitzvah when you took her hand and kissed it absentmindedly during the speeches? Was I right that at the parent-teacher conferences when you stood by the coffee and she stood by the office checking her phone that you were actually fighting? How it shook people to see someone extricate themselves from a bad situation. How people so brazenly wondered aloud every private thing there was to wonder. Toby's cousin Sherry, who was prone to long, disappointed stares at her husband Ron. Had you tried therapy? His boss, Donald Bartuck, whose second wife had been a nurse on the hepatology floor. Were you unfaithful? The camp director at the YMCA, where Toby was explaining that his kids might be a little shaky since when camp started they had just separated. Did you guys have a regular date night? 
These questions weren't really about him, no. They were questions about how perceptive people were and what they missed and who else was about to announce their divorce and whether the undercurrent of tension in their own marriages would eventually lead to their demise. Did the fight I had with my wife on our actual anniversary that was particularly vicious mean we're going to get divorced? Do we argue too much? Do we have enough sex? Is everyone else having more sex? Can you get divorced within six months of an absent-minded hand kiss at a bat mitzvah? How miserable is too miserable? How miserable is too miserable? Woof. <sighs> Woof. There's a lot there, huh? All right, so let's wrap it up. John's <laughs> play outro. We'll be good. Yeah. So uh, I feel like the only way to respond to that is for me to – is there a question that comes out of that I mean, for, in your mind? What, what, what's there's next? There's a lot of questions, you know? <sighs> I don't know. I listened to a podcast – a while ago that a friend had recommended had a therapist on it and they said that many divorces today would have been perfectly acceptable marriages to our grandparents and the target keeps moving as to what a happy marriage is and what it looks like you know yeah for sure I, I talked to several friends about you know how miserable is too miserable and got a lot of different comments what do you what do you think uh, again, I think last time I mentioned, you know, a lot would depend on your worldview. Mm-hmm. And uh, some people view marriage as um, a fleeting sort of disposable thing. That, Do they? Don't you think most mm, people get married with the thought that they're in this forever? Um, yes, but the divorce rate would seem to indicate that that's not a, a belief that they're willing to die on the hill for. Mm-hmm. Um Myself included, you know, right. I I got married with the intention of staying married forever, and um, I was my parents were divorced, and I knew what that was like as a kid. And if we had kids, I didn't want to put them through that. And here I sit. So, um, I think most people walk into it with um, romantic, lifelong intentions, but uh, then life happens, and people are uh, prepared or unprepared to handle certain things. And how miserable is too miserable? I I I mean, if you're in a miserable situation then uh you know again based on worldview i i think if you believe that you have a right to be happy and you're not and you can look introspectively and understand that the degree to which you're responsible for your own happiness you've maximized those efforts and this other person is actively making you unhappily or actively harming you you know i i um I'm a person of faith, and there's you know biblical grounds for divorce, right? So there's you know physical abuse, uh, adultery, uh, and abandonment. Uh, abuse, uh, ad- adultery, and abandonment. And someone's going to fact check me and tell me that I missed something, <laughs> misinterpreting something. But uh, apart from that, um, you know, thou shalt not get divorced, right? Because mm-hmm. that's not what what God has designed marriage for. Um, and so there are. And that's just one of many worldviews um, on the subject of divorce. And if you have a completely secular mindset that if you're not a person of faith, then um, then what is marriage apart from a social contract? Right. Where mm-hmm. you know we stood in front of an officiant, may they be a, a justice of the peace or a priest or a non-denominational, you know, person who got a certificate off the internet and said, "I promise to love you forever and ever," and uh, and then we break that promise and we stop. You know, we stop doing the things that would constitute love. Well, whether it's, you know, 
based in religion or based secularly, it's still a broken promise. It's still, you know, mm-hmm. like it's, I don't know. I think that everybody has different thresholds of what they would consider miserable though and what what they would consider to be um like their personal limits like i know i know couples who are still married who he's cheated several times she knows it but she likes the financial stability of the situation so her threshold was not you know like i need him to love me and be with only me it was look we've built this this thing and we're gonna make that work you know and to me that is the saddest you know that's a a business relationship yeah and and so i do you see that though you see marriages that have been boiled down to just being a social contract or a business relationship and to for me it's impossible for me to see why these people stay when there's no more joy in it when it's just transactional i i wouldn't stay in that but that's my personal threshold so that would be too miserable for me, and it's not for other people. Right, and I think for some people, um, speaking of myself, you know, it's not one dramatic event. Um, it's a it's a straw that breaks the camel's back mm-hmm. situation. It's a Absolutely. slow slow grind. Um, I was married for more than a, a decade and a half, mm-hmm. and um, me too. And uh, it was a a slow wearing down process where, mm-hmm. uh, as I described it. One day, uh, I just ran out of gas, and uh, if you've ever been mowing the lawn in in you know the heat of the summer, and uh, the thing just kind of you know bogs out and then just goes dead, you, you, there's no coaxing it to the finish line. You right. got to go mm-hmm. figure out how to you gotta get, get more, some gas in the you tank. Get more yeah. gas in the tank. Mm-hmm. And, Absolutely. Um, and I I just sort of <clears throat> ran out of gas when it came to caring whether or not. Uh, I stayed married. Yeah. And, um, and the, the, and it was terribly sad. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, you know, from the standpoint of having kids and everything, um, you know, at some level, I, I, we collectively, my ex-wife and I, uh, made the decision that we'd be, we'd be better off and the kids might be better off, uh, you know, parenting them from two separate happy households rather than one sort of toxic negative one. And, and that's that's that conversation is what led us to decide that you know for whatever combination of reasons we were to quote the book or to paraphrase the book we were that was we reached our misery level mm-hmm. that was uh, the tipping point. Yeah, I think with my kids, I spent a lot of time worrying about how it was going to affect them and how it was going to like what what was I teaching them? I guess what am yeah. I showing them? Yep. And I felt like I would like to show them what a happy, stable, functional relationship looked like. And if I couldn't do that, then I would like to show them the strength and the chutzpah to say, like, to own up to, look, I I couldn't make this work. And it is better for all of us to do it this way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. For sure. Yeah, it's a hard thing, though. A friend of mine told me that her mom wanted her to stay married in an unhappy marriage because she said it was better than being, like, unstable financially. Her mom didn't want her to leave him because she said, he doesn't hit you and he doesn't cheat and he doesn't drink too much, so it's not that bad. 
And <laughs> this was based on the mom's experience of the mom had gotten divorced and had never dated, had never remarried, was struggling financially for years and years after her divorce. Mm-hmm. And my friend said, but I knew I wasn't going to let my post-divorce life model my mom's, you yeah. know? So people's worry and people's concern and people's questioning really does come from, like that book says, from this place of themselves. Like, oh, I mean, they they seemed like a nice couple. Maybe maybe we're not a good couple either. You know, like it's like you, and you divorce yeah. rates are higher among friends. Like yeah. when somebody in the friend group gets divorced, sometimes other people do too. I uh, I will speak from firsthand experience. I, I feel like a lot of people, um, and I, when I say a lot, ninety ninety eight percent of my friends, mm-hmm. my former friends, mm-hmm. um, I, at some level, I think there's a lot of fear that divorce is contagious. And I think in some cases it may be. Um, and, uh, you know, I feel like, so yeah, a lot of friends have distanced themselves from me, at least temporarily, maybe forever. I, I don't know. That's do you think a, that's it's, kind of a sad do you think it's but. something that they are like, they just don't have as much in common with you right now? Or they, you know, feel awkward, like if, if they're doing a couple's party and you're yeah. not part of a couple, you know? Yeah. And, um, I, I, I Listen, I sympathize because I have been. I had. We have another friend who got. I have another friend who got divorced a few years prior to my breakup, and um, I was involved in some group texts that was. You know, do we invite so and so? Do we not? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, of course we do. Why wouldn't we not? You know, mm-hmm. he's still so and so, and we still love him and care about him, right? And if people are like, yeah, yeah, we totally do, and then they would agree to invite him, and and so. Who gets the friends in the divorce? I mean, that's just yeah. A, that's that. That's a whole nother can of worms. Yeah, yeah we, that's, we've strayed off the path of how miserable is too miserable. But um, those are things that you don't necessarily always think about. You but know, those you, are things that are very real life things yeah. that happen when, when you get divorced. Suddenly, you know, I was with a group of people last night at a dinner party, and some of them had been married for over twenty years. And I kind of said, "I'm like, you guys, I do, I do this show, and I'm really interested in." What makes it, what makes it work? And they were like, every day of my life when I wake up, I know that my life is better with this person than if they weren't in it. And yeah. that's what that's why I'm here. Like, yeah, we fight. Yeah, we, you know, well, of course, you know. But but they haven't reached a too miserable point. And I always love seeing these relationships that it's way better than just that. You know, that yeah. it's you know they really are connected. They really are a team. They'll show yeah. up for each other. That yeah. like. And I do see those, and that—I mean—that's what everybody wants, you sure. know. That's what everybody wants, and that's where it's at. Um, but, you know, I think it takes a lot to say, well, you know, I didn't have that, you know, it, yeah. And to walk away, because you could stay and pretend that you have that. You could stay and pretend it forever. Yeah. And in social settings, it probably looks okay. And when you get home, it sucks. Yeah. You know, it's the social media. I mean, the—you the, know—you've you, everything I. Never once posted about any of the fights I had with my ex-wife, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, I posted some really fantastic, you know, poetic, inspirational things on anniversaries and birthdays, mm-hmm. and and everybody seemed to think everything was great until mm-hmm. it wasn't, and then it was holy cow. I I remember guys? I remember one anniversary, maybe a year or two before we got divorced, and I'm like, how am I gonna like recognize this day on the social media? I don't want to lie. I don't want to, but I, 
I don't want to be like, yeah, this kind of sucks, but we've made it 15 years or, you know what I mean? Like, whatever. So I remember um, I got a gift, which was sunglasses. I, I have like 30 pairs of sunglasses. You received I, a gift? Yes, I received a okay. gift. And I said something like, well, I'm not going to post a bunch of mushy love stuff. I'm just going to say I really like these new sunglasses. <laughs> And that was my way of keeping it real. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, but I think that I hashtagged a whole bunch of like love anniversary yeah, bullshit, yeah, yeah. you know? That's not BS though. I mean, that's like, that's like the hopeful part of your brain. Right. Maybe wishing and mm-hmm. hoping it was better and that you had different feelings about your ex. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. I wish, I wish, you know, regularly, I won't say every day, but I do wish fairly frequently that that things had turned out differently. And, and, you know, I, we, I think I texted you at one point, uh, not as a part of show prep, but, uh, just in life, you know, at what point do seeing other people's flowery, romantic oh, yeah, you an- did. anniversary mm-hmm. posts on Facebook, when does that stop bothering you? Cause I'm waiting to like, I mm-hmm. see like friends posting, Oh, happy anniversary. We made it 20 years. And everyone's like, Oh, congratulations. You're mm-hmm. amazing. And, and I just, that, that just, gag me with a pitchfork like, <laughs> I just I don't I, I don't want to I don't want to see that it's not I guess it's not inspirational to me because I, I failed I, no, this is where you this is, you're, you're young enough you can have it you can get to 30 years you're fine <laughs> yeah <laughs> but like that that's the um that's the the part of me that I don't like to talk about is that I do feel like a failure I do yeah. feel like I messed up because mm-hmm. if I really sit back and own my stuff that led to the divorce you know I'm the one that was pushing the lawnmower that, that felt like I ran out of gas. I'm the one that reached my tipping point of being too miserable first. I'm the one that brought up the fact that maybe this wasn't working out. The divorce was essentially my idea. Mm-hmm. And I, I own that completely. Um, and that part of me feels like a miserable failure because that's not how we would have drawn it up. And if not for my input, I could have suffered in silence for another few years and maybe gone to some more therapy and hopefully it would have worked out. But, you know, but I, I didn't. Yeah. And, and I, I, you know, for lack of a better term, you know, I maybe sometimes feel like I quit. And if I, if I sit back and wallow in that feeling, mm-hmm. if I think about, boy, what else have I quit on in my life? And am I a quitter? Am I, a, you know, am I a really big screw up? But what up more could this? you have given? You know, time, yeah. time and patience, I, you know, and, and I, listen, it was 15 plus years and it was, you know, three kids and it was you know, multiple careers and a near bankruptcy and a house and some craziness and, and all this. And um, so, yeah, I could have given more time. I could have sacrificed more of my time. But you've told me, Brian, that when you look back, because we all do the hindsight thing when, when yeah. we're on the other side of it. And you're like, you told me when I look back, I don't know if we ever should have gotten started, if we ever should have married in the first place. Now, and that doesn't mean that you regret it. Obviously, you got three beautiful children. That's how I feel about my relationship, too. I got a couple of awesome kids, built a really cool business, did a lot of things that were in part and parcel because of my marriage, you know, and I don't regret my marriage in any way, yet I can look back to the early roots and be like, I don't know. We were pretty young and I don't, mm. I oh, just don't know, sure. you know? I think that, um, you know, I, I think that um, divorces don't just spontaneously combust. They right. usually come where there's smoke, there's the fire, burn. it's a yeah. slow burn mm-hmm. and there's red flags and other mm-hmm. things. And um, yeah, I think that uh, if you ignore enough, ignore enough red flags and sweep enough, sweep enough problems under the rug, then, then you're, 
destined for for difficulty yeah which is probably what happened in 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 my case at least you know I, uh, red flags were ignored and i'm not going to say we shouldn't have you know gotten married but you know maybe in retrospect parts of our personalities weren't the best match for one another mm-hmm. and um you know we fought it for a long time but it, you know it is what it is I, yeah i don't know i had um my ex-husband said to me one day not too long ago my ex-husband and i are very friendly we, we get along fine like mm-hmm. i think that we always probably should have been friends we were great work partners like we worked together well um but we i don't think that we probably should have engaged in a relationship beyond that you know um yeah but we did and he told me not too long ago i was asking him like i was like how long do you think that we should have been like when we started dating like what do you you know looking back what do you think and recall that over 16 years almost 17 years we were together and he said you know like i was the first person that you were really serious about and you were the first person that i was really serious about and probably should have been about six months (laughs) <laughs> yikes like that hurts you know like, huh? Huh? and i don't even know if he's wrong you yeah. know like yeah, i don't yeah. even know if he's wrong we were young and we didn't know ourselves and we didn't know yeah you know and we how did you meet him i met him in college same and um like, it was at a in like a bible study or like yeah, drunk at a bible. bar or some combination of the two i actually met him um at a saint patrick's day party oh he um was very drunk and there was a dog there that he didn't like and he's a dog lover so this is a surprise but he didn't like this dog and he wrote me a thousand dollar check and said he handed it to me he signed it he gave me a thousand dollar check and was like take this dog away like i want you to take this dog away and my friend made me rip up that check because i was going to cash it i was like look at this drunk dumbass who gave me a thousand dollars that's like the girl in the bar you heard the story recently about the girl in the bar who took um some guy asked for her number and so she's like, yeah, and she's all playing drunk, and she took his phone, and she's putting her number into his phone. But what she was actually doing was going to his Venmo account, Nuh-uh. and she she Venmoed herself like twenty five hundred bucks. No, yeah, way. and then gave his phone back, and she's like, you know, I'm in there, and all this, and like she just took twenty five hundred dollars from him. That, yeah. that you just basically pulled the Venmo scam back in. You know, I didn't scam anybody. It was day. offered to me. You should have taken it. I should have. I should have. Um, but yeah, yeah, same thing. You know, say similar occasion. It was a birthday. Uh, there was a, a bar was involved, and uh, you know, twenty one years old, young and dumb, and, mm-hmm. and all those things. And but, um, but yeah, I have. She's a a, a wonderful person, um, but maybe just not the best long term. Yeah. Match. I don't know. How long do you feel like your relationship, your marriage, was good, happy, huh. viable? Um. I'm the wrong person to ask that question because our marriage got off to a very, very interesting start. Um, I would say our dating relationship was probably better than our marriage. The mm-hmm. dynamic really changed when we got married. Um, some, Why do you think that is? Uh, without getting too personal, I think that there were some familial patterns that were relived when when we became a married couple uh, and and that's probably as much as I can say. Okay, um, fair but, enough. But yeah, the, you know, so our marriage started poorly, and uh, in some case, in some sense, was probably doomed from the start, hmm. based on how we started. Yeah. Um, and uh, and that's that's 
that's really unfortunate, you know. And um, I had a job once that uh, I I was at this job for, well, I won't tell you how long. That's because that's the punchline. Um, <laughs> I was happy in this job. It was a, a career that I had sort of in the middle of my my the first half of my life. I was happy in that job for about eight months. Um, after a year, I knew I should probably leave because the environment wasn't going to get much better and the grind wasn't going to get any lighter and it wasn't conducive to a, a happy life. But they paid me well. Mm-hmm. But they, they, they beat me up. It was, it was a really rough environment, mm-hmm. like a, a bit of a meat grinder. So, you know, I was happy for six months. I knew I should leave after a year. But I was like a battered spouse, and so logically, I stayed for eight years. <laughs> and um, so, I, and I'm, and I'm not, I was definitely yeah. not a, a battered spouse. But uh, I think that that a lot of parallels exist there in in I a lot of marriages. When, when you have that real, like, I'm going to make this work attitude, as so yeah. many of us do, people who are driven, people who you know. We believe in ourselves and our own brains and yeah. our own hearts, and I can do anything. I can yeah. climb any freaking mountain, yeah. you know? And, and and I was trying to prove that I was better than my parents, too, because my yeah. parents got divorced. Mm-hmm. And if I, get, on the first episode, if I get divorced, yeah. I'm no better than them, mm-hmm. and I have to be better than my parents because right. I was a very that was a, I was a very immature 24-year-old right. when, I, when I got married, mm-hmm. however old I was. Yeah, I, I was 22. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. you know, I was... I stayed married for the wrong reasons. I probably got married for the wrong reasons, you know, because I felt fortunate that someone took an interest someone in me. Someone liked you. I was yeah. lucky that someone liked me and wanted to spend time with me and wanted to hang out with me and keep mm-hmm. me around. Um, my my wife, my ex-wife was... Super incredible self-esteem that oh, you're oh, yeah. walking around with. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, my ex-wife <laughs> was probably my first real serious girlfriend mm-hmm. um, that lasted more than a year. I feel you, Brian. I feel so, you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I felt like mine was like eight years up, eight years down. Um, But I feel like in the beginning, our problems were kind of masked because like my senior year of college, he graduated. We met and two months later he graduated. Yeah. And so then I was a sophomore at the time. So I had two more years of college. Did he move away? He stayed. Oh, okay. And he stayed in the town because he had found a girlfriend. And like part of it, part of it for him I think if he looked back, he would say it gave me a reason like to not be afraid. Do you know what I mean? It gave you it gave him a stability mm-hmm. like, a, you know, like he didn't want to go move to like Columbus, Ohio and be a single dude and have a job and try to meet someone in a bar. And you know what I mean? Like it was yeah. like, OK, here's someone. Right. And she'll stick around. She likes me, you know. Yep. And and so it was. You know, and it was a way to prolong college for him. He got to live in our college town for two more years. And my senior year, I lived in a house full of boys. So I lived with my, um, at that time, fiance and two fraternity brothers of his. And it was amazing. Like it was yeah. one of my happiest years. And yes, my fiance went to bed every night at like eight o'clock. At, but, but he had a real job and we were silly college kids, you know, so. There was always someone around, always a, you know, a guy who I was friends with to play cards with, to talk with, to, you know, like, and I, it hid the lack of connection between him and I, Yeah. you know, because there were other people to be connected with. And perhaps it's not appropriate, if you really think about it, to be connected with a man who is not the man you're going to marry oh, in man. that way. We have a whole a whole uh, show on 
um, cross gender friendships? I think we have to. We're going to have yeah. to. And, and you know, because that is, you know, when you have a really emo- like, hell, I feel like you and I have a we have an emotional relationship, you know, and I don't know if we date other people. Are we emotionally cheating? You know, because we have, you know, we tell each other a lot of things. Yeah. On the radio and in right. general, you right. know. <laughs> so, yeah. I guess there's too many things. I still have a list. I, I still have a list, and I feel like we're just going to have to say, <sighs> yeah. this was a lot. We did a lot. This was a lot. We did a lot. So, instead of get into the downfall, the sex, the friendships, the co-parenting, the, was it a fighting household? Was it an apathy household? You know, how'd you know it was bad enough to go? Yeah. Instead of all that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we just say goodbye. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> well, thank you guys for being with us today. Next week we have a special treat because next week Heather will be here. And Brian and I will be talking about actual therapy and whether we did that. and uh, Still doing it. Still doing that. Just yeah, doesn't we'll count. talk about that. And uh, we'll have Heather here um, to be our guest, and it'll be lovely. Fantastic. So, until next time. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Would anyone like a tissue? I'm fine. We're fine. Everything Everything's is fine. fine. Got a question for Chrissy and Brian? Connect with Not Quite Therapy on Patreon, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Don't forget to check out How to Do Life, too, on all these platforms and on the podcast app of your choice. Hey, Brian. Yes, Chrissy? I think I need another drink. Whew, those two are special. <laughs>